For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them was also, also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Thank you very much indeed. So we'll come back to that story in a minute, but uh, let's have some work workplace stories from you first of all. Things that are encouraging you, things that are challenging you in the workplace, just uh, little snippets of, uh, of life around the congregation. It would be great to capture that in just uh, a few moments. So who's got something that they would be happy to tell us this morning? The on-site services at the place I work are delivered by Carillion. Now, many of you may not have heard of this firm a few weeks ago, but we all know about them now. Uh, well, there's a couple of dozen people... Uh, who work around me every day, who are not sure quite who's going to be employing them in a few weeks' time, or even if they will have a job. Um, we're fortunate that we have an on-site Christian fellowship, and we prayed um, a week ago Tuesday that they would have some hope going forward. And we found out later that day that our management on-site are paying the, uh, the company that's managing the collapse of Carillion, so that at least our staff, our friends and colleagues will have some payment while that carries on. So we don't know what the long-term future will be, but um, yeah, there's some people there uh, with a very uncertain future. Thank you, Ian. Great story. Continue to pray. Well, I'll top that, because our hospital's being built by Carillion. <laughs> and, and, and if a bomb falls out of the sky, and uh, bombs uh, middle metropolitan hospitals probably the best thing that could happen but there we go um, but we are actually facing a reorganization of our pathology departments in the black country in uh, four trusts uh, in Wolverhampton, Warsaw, Dudley and uh, Samuel and West Birmingham and that's for the last year led to a huge pressure on about seven or eight hundred staff and that continues. Thank you. Pressure in the workplace 
uncertainty about jobs in the workplace. What else are we hearing this morning in the workplace? Anything else? Anyone else like to share a workplace story? Wonderful, thank you. Morning. Um, it's my first time here this morning. I normally Welcome. attend Alden. Thank you. Um, I'm really struggling at the moment. I work in oncology. Um, I'm facing an uphill battle. Um, there's a position available in outpatients where I used to work that I've applied for, and it's just weighing at the pros and cons and where I should be placed best for me and my family. Thank you. We will pray and trust for God's guidance to you, knowing God's guidance in the workplace. Um, I work one-to-one -one with a little girl with autism, which is fun, but it also poses its challenges. Um, tomorrow we're going on a trip to the airport, um, and she can be prone to run, so I just appreciate prayers for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, tripped over and twisted my foot yesterday, so it's yeah, a bit painful. Little challenging. That's wonderful, Sarah. Thank you. Um, at the University of Law, where I work, we've had um, a chaplain since um, the beginning of the academic year who is provided by Chaplaincy Plus, a local Christian charity. Um, <coughs> it's a service that's been really appreciated by the students, and it's been so successful that um, they've actually had to try and recruit two more voluntary chaplains to cope with the demand. So I think that's... Um, a real answer to prayer. Isn't that brilliant? That's great. Well, I'm loving this. This is great. We could go on all morning. Uh, any more? Any more? Okay. So challenges and opportunities in the workplace. I'm sure that there are many more stories that we could have heard and shared. Uh, let's come back to that story that Tim read about uh, the workers in the vineyard. And under this theme of hope in the workplace, this is a great story in the New Testament. It came to my mind especially when I saw some of the pictures of the work in the paddy fields. Many of you were involved in the fundraising last year and the year before, which enabled Mercy Mission to buy some paddy fields in uh, India as part of their mission in order to move towards self-funding. And once the paddy fields were bought and then the seed was sown and so on, we started to get some pictures of uh, what was going on. I think this was the sowing of the seed. Uh, and I mean, these, these just got more and more interesting as they went on because we had no idea what was actually going to happen. But very rural, very uh, natural. That was uh, preparing the ground, I think. Let's keep going with these pictures. This was uh, harvest time now, and you can see all the ladies in the field uh, behind Charlie, cutting down the corn, and, uh, and then a few days later, gathering the corn and uh, putting them into that uh, machine that separated. And then, I think, one more picture. Was oh, that it? The various stages of gathering the harvest in the Mercy Mission Project. A huge team of people working in the fields, different people at different stages. And, and it looked like hard work in hot conditions. And I think something similar was happening in the story that Jesus told, although, of course, it wasn't uh, a field that was growing rice. It was a vineyard that was growing grapes. But again, it was 
hand labor. It was very hard work in hot conditions. The owner of the vineyard went to find some workers for the day, hired some for an agreed wage of one denarius for the day. Now, that was standard. That's what people would normally have been paid if they had a whole day's work. About three hours later, the owner of the vineyard found some others who were standing idle in the marketplace without any work. So I invited them to come and work as well. And he just simply said that he would pay them whatever is right. And then six hours into the day, the same thing happened. And again, nine hours into the day, and even 11 hours into the day, he invited those who'd been waiting all day for work. And then, of course, at the end of the day, it came pay time. There were a few people who had only worked one hour. There were others who had worked 12 hours in the heat of the day, in open conditions, very much like, I think, in my mind, uh, similar to the Mercy Mission kind of gathering of harvest work. And so a huge difference. But they all got the same pay. It was an extraordinary end to the day. Some were elated, others were furious. But to those who had been working all day, the owner simply said that they received what they agreed at the start of the day. It was the generosity to the later workers that created the problem. So what's this story all about? Well, primarily, this is a story about God's kingdom and how God treats us. It's not primarily about how we treat other people. It's first and foremost about how God treats us. It's a message about God's grace, that God's love cannot be portioned out into little bits, nicely adjusted to the merits of individual people. God loves us all the same and all overwhelmingly. His mercy and grace extends to us all the same. There is actually a coin that is worth one-twelfth of a denarius. It's called a pondian. But there is no such thing as one-twelfth of God's love. God's love is both overwhelming and it is undeserved. See how much the, Father has, the Father's love has been lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. He loves us without deserving and he loves us without fail. There is an overwhelming generosity in the way in which God deals with us. While we were still helpless, or while we were still powerless, Christ died for us. Yes, we have our part to play. We are called to repent of what is wrong, to turn around completely from what we know to be wrong, to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, to follow him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But these things are only possible because of what he has first done for us, his overwhelming generosity, love, and grace. And this is the primary meaning of this story. It's a message of great hope for every person across the world, that God does not treat us in little proportioned amounts, but he loves us with everything that he has. And that love is real today. And whatever your circumstances of home or work, God in his immense love and in his great overwhelming grace is coming to you this morning, lifting you up and saying you are special in his sight. 
you are deeply loved by him. That is the primary message that is coming across from this story. Because it begins, the kingdom of heaven is like. God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. God's grace is like this. Overwhelmingly generous. But of course, underneath that, it is also a story about an employer. And it's quite fascinating if you look at it at that level. Because here is an employer whose employment techniques may well have been considered questionable in today's society. I mean, what if we employed someone to work in Kairos Coffee on Monday morning for the whole week as a paid member of staff rather than a volunteer, working 40 hours in total? And then we also employed someone to come in on a Saturday morning for four hours. And then, at the end of the week, we paid them both the same. Don't think that would go down too well. We have to see this parable as a sign of something much greater, the overwhelming grace of God, the upside-down kingdom of God. Indeed, the story ends that the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus demonstrated in his own life as he reached out to those who were hopeless and helpless, those who seemed to be last in the eyes of society, he made them first in his sight. Those who thought they were all important, he challenged concerning their status and their lifestyle. And today, the mission of the church must have that kind of focus on those who are marginalized, considered to be of less worth in society than others. Because in the sight of God, we are all immensely valuable and precious. This is the big theme of this passage. And just to digress for a moment. On Thursday, I was privileged to attend the Holocaust memorial service at the Civic Centre in Solihull. And to hear an incredible first-hand account from a Holocaust survivor. Her name was Mrs. Mindu Hornick. There are not many people who are still living who can speak of their own Holocaust experiences. And all of us present on Thursday felt deeply moved and challenged by her personal story. You can hear it yourself. It's on the Solihull Council website in their webcast library. If you go to the webcast library, you'll find it at the moment as the first entry from Thursday. How can human beings be so cruel to other human beings. How could the Holocaust itself possibly have happened? And how do these atrocities continue in scenarios like Cambodia, Rwanda, Bosnia, Darfur, and most recently, Myanmar? And we were challenged to speak up, not only in times of international crisis, but whenever we witness injustice, oppression, or cruelty in any context, and to make the right and appropriate responses to those situations, not just walk away and ignore them. That is a challenge to the workplace, particularly. Indeed, this story challenges me in a number of ways in the context of employment and work today. Some of you here this morning are employers, some are employees, some have management responsibilities. Some of you are in the position of seeking work. 
And quite a few of you are retired, but still able to support and encourage those who are in workplace situations. And at times it can be immensely challenging. At other times it can feel quite bleak and hopeless. Where is hope in the workplace today? I rather like this little cartoon, Never Lose Hope. I don't know whether your working life is ever like this. You have a plan. And it's a nice sort of steady journey from where you are to your destination. But the reality is somewhat different. And there are all kinds of humps and bumps along the way. I think that's pretty real, isn't it? For many of us. There are four key words which I think emerge from this story, along with the big message that I've already given to you, that speak about hope in the workplace. The first key word is integrity. On the surface, this was a story of unfair pay. And there is some justification for thinking like that. But remember that the employer agreed his payment to the early morning workers. And for the others who came in later in the day, there was no specific sum that was agreed. There was indeed a huge generosity to some at the end of the day. But no one went away with less than what was agreed. It may not have seemed particularly fair, but neither was it unfair to what was originally agreed. Was there integrity in that scenario? That would be a fascinating discussion. I'd love to eavesdrop on some of your home groups if you perhaps picked up this story and asked that question. Was it right? Was it wrong? Was there integrity going on here? Certainly the employer was true to what he had said first thing in the morning. Integrity means that our life is integrated at all the time. We're not one person on Sunday and a different person on Monday. We're not one person in the public eye and a different person when nobody is watching. We are the same person all the time. The Lord said to Abraham, I am the Lord Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Was the employer blameless in this story? Think about that. The word blameless in what the Lord said to Abraham, that word, Hebrew word, means integrated. It means living in holiness in every area of life. And I think linked to the word integrity are the words sincerity and consistency and reliability. They're all part of the same family and part of the same characteristics. If you're to honour God in the workplace, then these qualities have to show being totally trustworthy and reliable and taking a consistent approach, whoever you are and whoever you're dealing with, whether anyone is watching you or not and having the right motives of sincerity and genuine commitment. There was some research that was done in Queensland, Australia by a lady called Margaret Thorsborn. She was the author of the book The Seven Heavenly Virtues of Leadership. And in this survey, she particularly asked a range of people in organizations of all different sizes to describe the characteristics of being people of integrity. And the kind of answers that came back were the sort of things you might expect. Strength of character, 
resolute, having fiber, walking the talk, doing what was promised, being authentic, being straightforward, open, honest, direct in dealing with other people, clear, uncompromised values, clarity about what is right and wrong, being committed with the courage of your convictions, behaving in a way that matches your values. All these kind of things were being said as an expansion of what integrity means. But then the key of the research was to ask how many people the respondents knew who they felt really had those qualities and how many where they felt integrity was absent. That was the challenging moment of the research. And you can guess the results. Not many on the side of integrity and far too many on the other side. There is hope in the workplace when you and I apply the challenge of integrity into the whole of our lives and act with pure motives, consistent actions and reliable behavior. There is the challenge of integrity that emerges to me out of this story. But then also, there is the challenge of enthusiasm. Let's not overlook the fact that in this story, here was someone who went out at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, and he went out again at 9 o'clock in the morning, he went out again at 12 o'clock, he went out at 3 o'clock, and indeed at 5 o'clock, to use that uh, calendar for the working day. Amazing enthusiasm to keep employing through the day. The owner was not slacking in himself. He was doing all that he could to achieve the aims of a healthy vineyard and a good crop of grapes. And I love those who are enthusiastic about every part of life. It's such a gift and such a blessing. It was William Arthur Ward who said, enthusiasm is the match that lights the candle of achievement. Maybe you would say that achievement needs a little bit more than enthusiasm, but enthusiasm certainly helps. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, says Paul in Philippians 4.4. And in Colossians, he writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as serving the Lord and not men. Enthusiasm in what we are doing. Enthusiasm in the workplace. This emerges from the story. And then humility emerges from the story. There's a whole question about the last being first and the first being last. The upside-down values of the kingdom of heaven. The last to work received was the first to receive pay. There is something here about considering others more important than yourselves. And that is surely an important quality in the workplace. It's not the same as letting others walk over you, but rather it's being able to listen to understand, to come alongside those who may be finding the way particular hard and considering their needs before your own. Jesus himself, of course, is the greatest person of humility. He who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, or another translation, used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, emptied himself, became a servant. And in the likeness, in the fashion 
of human form, humbled himself and became obedient to death. It was C.S. Lewis who said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself. Don't run yourself down. Just don't think so much about yourself. Think of other people. Humility. But supremely, I think the thing that, that shouts out of this story is generosity. We've all seen quite clearly how this story is primarily a pointer to the immense generosity of God in his love and grace towards us. It's never measured out in small parts. But what about our generosity to others? The workplace is one of the key aspects of life where generosity counts for a lot, especially if it's a challenging and stressful environment. The occasional random act of kindness, the offer of a coffee, the sharing of a meal, the assistance with a difficult task, the word of encouragement, the unexpected gift, all of these can go such a long way to bringing hope in the workplace. And actually, whatever our circumstances this morning, we are all called to live lives of generosity. The more we appreciate what God has done for us, the more we need to live generously towards other people. Now, it may be that sometimes, as in this story, the act of generosity can be misunderstood. And we do need to keep a close eye on issues of equality and fairness, justice and truth. But nevertheless, show a spirit of generosity every day. And you will be reflecting the character of our overwhelmingly generous God. So these are incident, incidentals, really, that come out of this story, beyond its big theme. But they're very important hallmarks, aren't they, for hope in the workplace. If God is calling you and me to live in a Christian way throughout the week where we work, we need to bring integrity, enthusiasm, humility, and generosity into our lives. But ultimately, we do that under the umbrella of the big message of this story. That whoever we are and wherever we are, God is overwhelmingly generous in his love towards us. It's never measured out in little bits and pieces. That he is an amazingly generous God. Just like to take us a moment to pray before the band lead us in these final songs of response this morning. And particularly thinking of some of the different work situations that we heard about earlier. Father God, this morning, we want to pray that you will help us to live Christianly in a Christ-like manner wherever we are, home, work, family, community, volunteering, whatever it is. Grant to us, we pray, those qualities of integrity, enthusiasm, humility, and generosity.
And Lord, especially for those who are at transition points in their lives, seeking new places of work, we pray, Lord, for your provision to them. For those who are living with a shadow of uncertainty over their jobs, we pray for patience and wisdom to those who support them. For those whose work life seems to be in total chaos, we pray, Lord, for your sovereign control. For those who are troubled by all the challenges of their work, we pray for wisdom, patience, and peace in their hearts. Father, help us to honor you in all of our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen.